Welcome to the Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. I'm Aaron. <laughs> you just wait. You just paused for too long. I had to jump in. This is Aaron, and this is Chris. Hand gestures are implied. Hand gestures are implied. Uh, today we are doing Andy and Barney in the big city. Christopher, what did you think of this episode? It was fun. I kind of like them in new environments, uh, out of their element. I got a little bit of a, of a vibe of Dunstan checks in about the Pongo Pygmaeus monkey that is uh, probably actually not a monkey, just the Pongo Pygmaeus that's let loose in the Six Star Hotel uh, during the social event of the season starring Jason Alexander and the, the kid from the Santa Claus. You know, I've never seen Dunstan checks in. Oh, it holds up. It's good. Does it? Yeah. I may yeah. check that out at some point, maybe but over I, the. But I thought yeah. it was good. Like it was a very similar, like inside a hotel based caper that I thought was a pretty fun. It, it was a fun storyline. I enjoyed it. I mean, the ironic thing about this, and we can get to this, is Barney actually. I mean, it wasn't entrapment. Barney kind of bungles his way into entrapment, basically to getting a guy to commit a crime. <laughs> I mean, when the guy might have just been there to get get a cup of coffee. That's a good point. I do appreciate that. That's good. Yeah. I had not picked up on that. Yeah. So this episode first aired on March 26, 1962. Uh, we open at the Taylor household with Andy suited up carrying a suitcase. This is something you don't see anymore. People don't really wear suits just to travel. No, I did it once and I was very uncomfortable. Especially, it looks like he's wearing wool. Can't do that. It's too itchy. I've I've done it before. I've flown and I've worn a suit, but it is just it's uncomfortable. And I don't know if maybe it's because airlines are a little more cramped than they used to be, um, or you know, or something, or, or you know, even but even on trains, I could never imagine wearing a suit to ride the bus. Oh yeah, that would be a tough one. That would be a tough uh, one. You'd be all wrinkly. Yeah, and I mean, sweaty. Oh. Lord, you get you get on a Greyhound in your suit, and you're on you're on there with you know because if you're that's the I don't know if there's if this is completely true or if this is just an urban legend, but the story is is that if you get out of prison, you're given a Greyhound bus ticket to your hometown. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know this. Yeah, you can't pick like it can't be like the end of the Super Bowl, and you're like, I want to go to Disney World. I don't think you, I don't really think you can. I think they just, they just let you out. Or if somebody doesn't pick you up, I suppose, or, but the story is, as I've heard, they, that is something you get as a Greyhound bus ticket. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Greyhound. We appreciate you bringing people back home after a long, long time away. Yeah. So he's about to go on a business trip. Barney shows up and he's going with him. It turns out Opie has lost a tooth, which is giving him a bit of a lisp, which so cute. we get. We get very little of Ron Howard in this episode, but getting him to speak with his lisp is pretty funny. Do you think this was, so we talked about the kind of added filling time segments. Do you think that Opie had lost, or that Ron Howard had lost a tooth and that they did this just to spill, uh, fill a moment? Funny you should mention this. Harvey Bullock, who wrote this episode when he turned in the script, had no idea that Ron Howard had lost a tooth. So they actually re, re, rejig, rejiggered the script on the fly to accommodate for oh, the tooth. Oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So they start to leave and Aunt B comes back with a sack full of sandwiches. You know, I've I haven't had a sack full of sandwiches to take on a trip in a long time. I tell you what though, if I went on the trip and somebody said, here's a sack full of sandwiches that we made for you, I'd be kind of like, this is awesome. Yeah, I am surprised that this seems like a perfect thing for Jimmy John's. Like instead of selling a platter of sandwiches, they do a sack full of sandwiches for the road. I think that's a great idea. 
And Jimmy John's, they could do it because their sandwiches are really self-contained. You could eat a Pepe and it not go all over the place. If you go to someplace like Potbelly or Quiznos. Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's. I mean, it's just, you know, you you open up your sandwich and it's just lettuce and everything flying everywhere. That's what we like about Jimmy. Yeah. Self-contained. He knows who he is. Yeah. Very confident. Confident. I love, yeah, that's that's actually the key to like a comfort sandwich is, is a ton of mayonnaise. So like you get the Pepe and it's just slathered in mayonnaise. I'm a turkey tom, not a Pepe, but just one. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And then you, you can get the big pickle that comes with it. That's oh, always yeah. nice too. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a nice, that's a nice feature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should, if we ever get a Jimmy Jones as a sponsor, I think we could really do a good job selling Jimmy Jones. <laughs> I think so too. There's clearly passion. Yeah. All right. So they arrive in the big city. We assume it's supposed to be Raleigh. It, the exteriors, it kind of looks like Los Angeles outside, don't you think? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Also, yeah. such beautiful people walking around. Must yeah. Be. Can't be can't be the South. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be that California. No, that it's California uh, with all that sparkly skin and twinkles in the eyes. Yeah. So they, and they, in this one, they call it capital city. So that's, they don't even, they, it, we don't, we're not even supposed to, you know, think, think of it as Raleigh, even though that's what it is. When they get to the hotel, Barney Wax is poetic about how he was meant for the big city and being at the asphalt jungle. And Andy's looking at the hotel room, hotel, hotel. And he's like, this thing costs $7 for a room. And which, I mean, obviously, who, you know, can't find a room these days for seven bucks unless you're staying at a hostel but they are staying at a very they're staying it looks for nice. taking for, for taking the bus to to the capital city the hotel they're staying in it looks like they've splurged on it just a little yeah bit. i got a strong jw marriott vibe yeah i mean it's got a french restaurant in the hotel i mean it's got a hotel cop i mean it's not the holiday inn express i mean that's for sure yeah, that hotel, we can get into the hotel cop later, but he was more legit than I would have expected from, maybe this was before, you know, outsourcing security, and so you kind of get different dynamics, um, but I, I, good that they had that in-house. I think most major hotels do. I mean, you'd be amazed at it. I had a friend and former co-worker who worked for our hotel, and she said the craziest stuff happens that you wouldn't just believe that just happens and happens at a hotel on a regular basis. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, people are out of town. They're doing, you know, maybe they're fish out of water. They're doing, they're getting into trouble that they're not supposed to get into. They're, you know, they're out of, you know, everyone's doing meth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if they're doing meth, but you know, (laughs) there could be some issues of what people are, what people are doing. I've heard, you know, even, even very, even charitable organizations, some of the guys, some of the people get to town and they, they, they cause, they cause chaos. I feel like I have to up my shenanigans then. I feel like the wildest thing I ever do in a hotel is eat Taco Bell. I mean, that's a, you know, that's, that's what most people would do. But if you're like going to a hotel and you're like, I've been living, you know, if you're, if you're like sitting there and you're like, you know what I want to do, I'm going to get out of town and I want to get drunk and I want to cheat on my wife. I mean, you know, that's, that's not something I think when I go out of town where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do drugs and cheat on my wife. Cause I'm out of town by myself. That's not something I, I, that's not something I look to do when I leave a, um, when I go on a trip. That's fair. That's fair. You're not a bad man, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. I think if those are the things you want to do when you go out, when you go traveling, that's why we need hotel cops. Fair, fair. Yeah. So 
We see an older lady looking over some expensive jewelry. It gets the attention of Barney Fife and another individual who is played by Alan Melvin, who we saw recently on the um, previous episode. I think, believe it was Jailbreak. This is obviously a key moment in, in the episode, but I think it's a little, it's a flawed protocol for, for someone who's checking, you know, showing their jewelry to do that at the front desk. That seems like oh, yeah. some backroom stuff. Oh, it's, it's, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, I think you would almost, I think at a certain point, if somebody's walking around with that type of jewelry, which I imagine is supposed to be really expensive, I think they wouldn't insure you if you did things like, take, I mean, take it out in the, in the middle of a hotel and just, sh- and just show it off. Right, right. And it's like she almost wanted everybody to see it, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. She, yeah. she just wanted everyone to know that she was rich. It was probably fake. I bet it was a sugar crystal. Or maybe well, it was crystal meth. You never know. Maybe you you're really you're really big on the crystal meth. Is there something we should talk about? Well, no, I live in Montana. You know, it's it's, it's just always present. I mean, I haven't watched much of that show Yellowstone, but that one where the, I did watch that one where they drive up and the whole meth lab is just exploded. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. kind of like, they, wow. Knock on wood, but that hasn't happened to me yet. That's good. That's good. I'm happy to happy to hear that. Hopefully, that does not happen to you. So they finally get checked in the hotel. It turns out that Barney Fife signs his name as Barney Fife MD, which he says stands for Mayberry Deputy. Love it. Yeah. So we saw dissolved in they the meeting. Keep with- playing with that, you know. I, yeah. I, I'm kind of riffing here, but you know, could they do a, a PhD, which is a phony house officer? You know, something like I'm going to keep working on this. Okay. I tell you what. Next episode. Can you come up with a list of variation of titles that Barney Fife could add to his name? I promise to disappoint. Yeah, you're not going to do it. But if you do, I will. I will be impressed. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how I could get away with not having to do it. I was like, Esquire, what would I do for this? Oh, this is going to be a terrible. Segment. Noodle with it for 20 minutes and see if like it's like your ranking of state flags. At first, I thought the idea was really silly, but I enjoyed breaking them down with you. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll see if I. I'll see if I can. Um, I'll have my assistant put it on my schedule. Okay. Yes, you do that. (laughs) So we we dissolved in the meeting with the commissioner who won't approve their budgetary needs because they haven't made any enough high profile arrests, which is, you know, that's obviously that's always the, the, um, was what is it? They say the consequences of competence. That's uh, what they're dealing with. Although I don't ever think the consequences of competence ever flies to ever applies to Barney Fife. You know, no, absolutely not. There was a there was a rumor when I was in high school that the police force had to hit a quota for traffic stops at the end of the month. So you had to be extra careful, like the 29th, 30th, 31st, uh, just in case that there that that quota rule was true. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are I mean, I don't know. I imagine I don't know. You can drive so fast in Montana anyway. I can't even imagine what, what a speed trap town in Montana would have to do. with like, we're going to get everybody going at least 90 miles an hour. If you drive 90 miles an hour down a, high, down a highway in Montana, we're going we're gonna to pull you over. Because, I mean, you can drive really fast in Montana. But we don't call it fast. We call it reasonable and prudent. And we have, reasonable and prudent. We have places to go and people to see, Aaron. All right. Fair enough. But, you know, in other and especially in small towns, especially in the south, there are there are cities and counties that make a good portion of their income off of speeding tickets. Makes me sick. (laughs) Well, it's 
people are still speeding. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, not like the law's not being broken. So Barney gets it into his head that they need to make an arrest at the hotel and get some attention. And a, Andy says they should just go to the hotel and get supper and forget about their problems. And what's so funny here is at dinner, they're confused looking at the French menu. They're in a big enough town where if they just wanted to go get a steak, there's plenty of, I'm sure they could have just asked the uh, concierge, where can I go get a, where's, where's a good steakhouse? Yeah, I feel like a little bit though that they wanted to stay self-contained in the hotel. I think they might have, yeah, yeah. So Andy says he'll ask so he can order something and Barney is worried about looking like a plain hick. Andy gets what he wants, a baked potato, a steak, and some green beans. Barney wings it. He orders escargot, and I can't, I couldn't make out the name of the other dish that he ordered. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out either. That was going to be my only question. And I've never yeah. had escargot either, so I don't really know what he's what he's working with here. So escargot, if you've ever if you've never had it, I recommend it. If you go to a French restaurant and they serve it, I would I would okay. recommend it. It's very good, and they do it dip it and it's and it's marinated in like a garlic butter sauce. And you can dip your bread in it afterwards, um, just uh, in the sauce. I, I really enjoy it. Do you think it's better than escarole? I don't. I don't really know if you can really compare the two, but but I do think that um, I do recommend if you go to a French restaurant, order escargot. If you go to Jimmy John's, like, don't get escargot. If you go to Jimmy John's and they're all of a sudden offering escargot, don't order escargot. <laughs> Okay, so Barney makes his order. The waiter basically tells Andy what he's he's ordered steak, and Barney's ordered snails and brains. Um, apparently, Don Knox Don Knotts actually repeated this bit on Three's Company when he was on it years later. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You know, in Montana, you used to be able to get brains and eggs at a legendary bar uh, called the Oxford in Missoula, and they had to stop doing it when Mad Cow Disease uh, came onto the scene in the late aughts. So it was a uh, so it was basically a, a cow a, a, a you know a cattle you know either a bull or a, a steer or a cow's yep. brain with scrambled eggs, Oof, huh. tough. But like until like you know two thousand eight. Yeah, the only time I've ever had mountain oysters was at a restaurant in in Montana. Oh yeah, I've had them a bunch. They're not great. I struggle. They're with not them. really. I mean, they're not great. I mean, you know, people talk about it. They're just kind of tough, yeah. and um, there's the not much nugget. taste. Yeah, there's not much taste to them. They're breaded, but I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a, take it's a soul-searching chicken nugget. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I you know, you know. Nope. <laughs> so, I mean, but I, it's, 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 it's kind of like, it's basically saying, look, I never intended to be here to begin with. This is not what I asked for. And now you're asking me to be a chicken nugget. I can't, I can't do it. I was like, this is not what I wanted. This is not the path that I chose. But the farmer, but the, but the, but the rancher had other plans. plans this this feels like a little bit of a South Park sketch, like, like Towery, where they've created, they've personified Rocky Mountain Oyster. And this is, yeah. the, this is the personality you found. Yeah. So Barney sees the lady with the jewels get up and sees the, the guy follow her. He gets the cop, the guy gets on the phone and Barney thinks he's up to something. Turns out he's an ex-cop who is now a hotel detective. And we go to commercial with Barney having no idea who he is. So Alan Melvin, as I mentioned, was on eight episodes. 
this is the only time he actually plays a good guy. And the and it's the twist that you think he was a bad guy all the way up till commercial. Totally. Wait, and who was he before? What, he, was the, he, he was the bad guy on jailbreak in the jailbreak episode oh, the one where okay. he had the where he had the girlfriend and you know yep. okay. uh, got, yeah. it. got it so after the break andy comes out of the elevator and mails the postcard. break in the commercial not the jailbreak just for those. right after the commercial yes after the commercial <laughs> andy comes out of the elevator and mails a postcard barney is on a stakeout acting like he's reading a paper he's really blending in in this scene yeah totally so Andy runs into another person who looks a bit shady. The ho- hotel cop recognizes him and goes up to him and tells him to watch himself. It turns out he's a thief named CJ who has been acquitted in the past. So he's a free man to roam as he pleases. But, you know, he's clearly clearly could be up to something. I'm not scared of a CJ. I'm not really either. CJ is actually played by an actor named Les Tremaine, who was a leading man on radio shows in the 1930s and 40s. And he was once named one of the three most distinctive voices in America, along with FDR and Bing Crosby. And both of us. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we joined that ranks, yeah. I would say Les Trinnell, is that his name? That's a good- Les Tremaine. Les Tremaine? I'm scared of Les Tremaine. Like that's a that's a good villain name. Yeah, I'm not scared. Actually, I, is there is there any? Okay, so like we're talking acronym names here. I'm not scared of a CJ. I'm not scared of a TJ. Definitely I'm not, not scared of TJ. <laughs> I'm not scared of T, a TJ. I'm not scared of an EG. Um, I am scared of a. There's no of a, EG. You think of example. Now there is a there's a there's speaking of sandwich shop there's a sandwich shop in Tucson called EG's and it makes a good sandwich but um there's but I I'll tell you who I am scared I'm scared of a JR oh yeah yeah you know I'm scared of JR he was a very nice kid but, yeah. but that for whatever it is that name just does sound a little bit more 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 tough yeah yeah so CJ sits down to read the paper and Barney. Just either he is a um, either he is either he's a bumbling fool or he's an idiot savant in just re in, in teasing out criminal behavior. He sits down next to him and warns him of the thief sitting behind him. The thief being the hotel cop. CJ is obviously confused, but when Barney says it takes a pro to spot him and shows CJ his badge, he now realizes he's got a rube who's going to just lead him to a score. Hook line sink yes get out gertrude because we got ourselves a live one that's right that's right so when cj learns about the jewels he offers to help barney and says he's with the newspaper and barney says it's cat and mouse time and they turn around and the hotel cop is gone and barney and cj chase him up the stairs the other part that's not realistic reporters and Cops very rarely, I feel like, work together. Usually they're at odds, kind of racing for the scene. Or do you disagree? Oh, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think there are times where you will see maybe a, a you know, somebody, you'll get see reporters do a ride along or you'll see something like that. But it is very rare that you would ever see a cop and a, and a, and a journalist working together. Do you think other professions could offer long ride alongs? Like, and you just kind of go with someone as they run errands? Like, do you think I could get a ride? Someone would do a ride along with me. So I go, somebody, I go to Jimmy John's at lunch because they don't deliver to my neighborhood for some reason. I, I mean, go drop off a check, maybe mail something, stuff like that. 
So it'd be like Cremerica Industries, uh, exactly. you know, where you're where you're bringing exactly. this guy, but with bulletproof vests. Bulletproof vests. I, I, I'm trying to think if there's any ride-alongs that I would like to do with with any profession. I would do a ride-along with the president or the secretary of state. Any I mean, okay, member. all right. If we're if we're talking about something, I'm talking about something in your <laughs> local community. Not not. Would you like to hang out with the president for a day? Oh, I'm I mean, not doing that to hang out with the president. I want to get in that helicopter. <laughs> Okay. I mean, so I'm thinking like, this is like, let's, let's dial it back here. It's like, would you want to ride around with your mailman for a day? Oh, I would yeah. say absolutely. Would you? Yeah. Do you not? I don't know. I mean, you're just sitting in the mail. You're just sitting in the mail van all day, dropping mail off at house. Minimize that profession. I'm not I minimizing it. And he seems like he's having a great time. Well, if he's having a great time, that's great. I'm not saying it's not it's, I'm not minimizing the profession. I don't. I'm a freelance writer. I don't think anybody would want to sit and do a ride along with me all day. Oh God, while I'm no. not, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sit at my desk while I'm typing. You know, that's not much of a ride along. Mm-hmm. You know, I, all I'm saying is, is, cops maybe, maybe do a ride along. And I did work in television news, so it really wouldn't be for me. I wouldn't really care. But I think people might enjoy fall doing a day with a reporter. Yeah, I could see that. Check your yeah. sources. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Eating deadlines. <laughs> well, this conversation's going nowhere. So <laughs> we go to the police department, and Andy is at the crime lab learning. Learning about what they do and what they have, and he's just kind of soaking it in. And that's the difference between... Andy and Barney. Andy's confident enough in himself to recognize what he doesn't know and where he might have an opportunity to learn. Barney's always got to put on and act like he's more than he is. Yeah, which is just unfortunate because he should own his place in the universe. He has value and he's great in his own right. He is, and if he would just accept that, he'd be a lot happier. So meanwhile, Barney and CJ are watching the hotel cop go door to door upstairs, and they go. He goes by the ladies' room. And at the jail, back at the jail, Andy sees the mug shot of CJ and the wheels start turning. Back at the hotel, the hotel cop leaves and CJ and Barney break into the hotel room. And CJ tells Barney to look for wall safes behind pictures. This just this is maybe makes me laugh more than anything in this episode is where he just starts pulling up these these really small (laughs) pictures. (laughs) <laughs> he might find a safe behind yeah, them. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. And so Andy shows up with the cop and points out the uh, house detective and asks who he is. When he learns it's the hotel cop, he is just almost, I mean, he is just so flabbergasted. Flabbergasted and quite amused at the whole thing, too. Yeah. So back at the hotel, at the hotel room, CJ has uh, stolen the jewels, but Barney doesn't realize what he's done. He just thinks the jewels have been stolen. They start to leave, but the hotel cop comes in and they sneak up behind him and lock him in a closet. CJ tells Barney to wait so he can get his camera and take his picture, but he'll be back in 20 minutes. Barney insists on going along, which this is the only thing that prevents everything from falling apart and the jewels getting stolen. Barney's neediness saves the day. Barney's need the episode. Neediness and vanity, yeah. And um, Andy is standing at the elevator when Barney and CJ run out. Andy grabs CJ and gets the jewels and then gives Barney credit for ha- what happened. 
but Barney is quite embarrassed. Oh, wait, before you go there, when when the city deputy takes him away, it was so strange. He put a handcuff just on one of his arms and then, like, carried him out. Like, that other guy could just clock him in the back of the head. It's not oh, proper even, uh, handcuffing. I didn't even realize that. It's because you hmm. didn't pay attention. Yeah, that's... Thank you for thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> um, so Barney's really embarrassed. He knows he's he's he he made a fool of himself. Um, but they walk into the elevator and and Andy's like, "You're not gonna like what you're about to hear." But the guy in the room, and then they kind of just go to silent, where it's almost like you just see his reaction on the elevator when he just blanches out, finding out. Who the hotel cop was? <laughs> I thought that I, I went back to rewatch this because, like, clearly they set this up to that's what he's going to tell him. But it's he's talking to him for too long for it to be like I don't get that that's the whole story he's building. Yeah, I mean it's such a unique thing on this show because it's very rare that they just pantomime something where Barney's getting a reaction. So it's almost I kind of just went with it. But yeah, you figure he would have found all he would have had to say is. That guy's the hotel cop. Is this also just previous before they start walking and doing this? Is this the first time that Barney has admitted that he was wrong versus going along with kind of Andy's cover up of what actually happened when he f- failed forward? I think you're right. I mean, I think when he's done it the other times, it's really been like he's like had more of it like a salvation um, or not salvation or redemption. Cause he screwed something up before. Um, this is just one where he was shit. I mean, he just bungled his way into a hot mess and it's just a miracle. He got out of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, Andy doesn't go down to check out the, the crime lab, crime lab at the station. That guy walks out and the hotel cop basically says, you know, puts Andy and the hotel cop is just basically livid at the two of them. Mm -hmm. i mean i get it and they get sued i mean you know there's all kinds of things that could happen yeah they get sued they get pulled before court before night court what's the show you always talk about that i can never remember well there is night court um what's the one you like day court day court law and order the people's court people's court yeah yeah no David, but you know, they, they the, the the ramifications or the repercussions would have been very bad if Andy had not figured out what was going on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So in the epilogue, Andy is on the hotel on the is in the hotel. He's on the phone with the commissioner discussing the news story of the re- of the arrest. There is a knock at the door, and it is the hotel cop who wants to speak with Barney. Barney's hiding in a closet, but when he hears this is the guy, funny. I like yeah, it. That's when he hears cute. the yeah, when he hears the cops say there are no hard feelings, Barney comes out and tells him to look him up if he's ever his way and that his name is in the book. And Andy, who I think is finally like, yeah, you know what, Barney, I'm done. I'm done placating you here. Goes, yeah, it's under fearless. And uh, they walks <laughs> off with the library cop and Barney stews as the episode ends. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a fun episode. It is a different type of arc, but you still have the classic Barney. No, maybe it's not a different kind of arc. We've got the classic Barney classic Andy scenario, but in a new environment that didn't change the dynamic at all. And that's maybe what I like about it. It felt Me new, too. but was tried and true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, um, it did. And I mean, it was just, and that's the thing is, is, you know, I mean, that's kind of the, 
I mean, that's kind of one of the things that the show the, that you like about Andy is Andy doesn't necessarily Andy likes living in Mayberry, but Andy would be fine wherever Andy lived because Andy's comfortable in his own skin. Barney is kind of a disaster. Is a disaster regardless of where he lives. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, but I liked it. It was a good fish out of water story without, but with kind of the same with the you know with kind of the same beats. Yeah, totally. How many whistles? You know, I think I'd give it seven. Yeah, I would actually say I was leaning seven, but I feel like I've been doing too many sevens. So I'm going to go eight after talking through it. Cool. Well, I, um, you know, we should actually go through and keep a tally of what we give, of what we give whistles to. Are we going to have to go and listen to all these again? Christopher, could you do that before the next (laughs) episode? Sure, let me cancel all my plans. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you do that, I won't expect your um, plays on Barney Fife's name for the next, for the next episode. What a yeah. trade. I can't wait to listen to them all again. <laughs> I'm kidding. And you don't have to listen to them all again. We only, I, we could, we'll talk about this offline. <laughs> That's good. All right. Any final thoughts? No, sir. Okay. Um, thanks for listening. If you have any, if you can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at loaded goat pod. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to submit them on loadedgoat.net. Um, next week we have and aunt wedding bells for aunt B. And in the meantime, Christopher, enjoy your snails and brains. Thank you. I want Jimmy Johnson to sponsor us. Bye.